still never got a no from Harper. I'm guessing he's going to hop on it any minute now. <laughs> yeah. I assume maybe he's, he's still... Maybe he's down to edit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'll, actually, I'm not even going to uh, ask. I'm just going to like tell him he has to edit. Mm-hmm. Just, just going to drop it on his desk and say... Mm-hmm. Just send him a select. All right, the files are up. I expect this yep. by... Get her done. Tomorrow at 8 a.m. All right. On go. Let's make this easy for Harper, okay? Okay, sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Keep it tight. Like a tiger. Tight. Tiger. <laughs> Three, two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, just prepare to. Uh, It'll be great. It'll be perfect. Y'all motherfuckers don't watch us play throughout the year, to tell you the truth. I'm gonna be real with you, and I don't care if I get fired. That train is off the track. I feel like you, you can't just like jump through Neptune and be okay. What the show needs is more dogs and bears and chickens and stuff. Yeah, so uh, just prepare to uh, be a watch Welcome Pacers fans, you are listening to the Undebeatables, your semi-weekly Pacers podcast. And this is episode 623, coming to you from Indianapolis, Indiana. I'm your host, Joey Gafrida, the man behind the dials and former season ticket holder. This show, we're going to take a treacherous journey into the mind of John Colson. Plus, what was out of the week, if you survive. <laughs> Joining me this show are two of our three analysts, coast to coast, like butter toast. First, from the high school home of Jameson Brewer, Silver Spring, Maryland, it's the doctor, Jason Triplett. What is up, Pacers fans? What is up, Unbeatables? Shout out to the Xavier Musketeers who knocked off the number two ranked uh, Connecticut Huskies uh, on New Eve, and I'm sure by the time you are listening to this podcast, have dropped a uh, game they should have won uh, mm-hmm. to whomever, uh, as is their want after they knock off a highly ranked team. But nonetheless, uh, good work by those guys. That's you. Shout out. From Asheville, North Carolina, he's our in-house bartender mixing up the drinks in the crappy jingles, John Colson. What is up, Pacer Nation? What is up, Undebeatables? Uh, just a quick reminder, uh, I, I, you'll notice in your feed maybe that uh, we took Christmas off, but we put out a, a clip show um, that goes over um, the uh, last season of uh, Oladipo and Bogdanovich and... Uh, Corey Joseph and Darren Collison, uh, fantastic season. Uh, if you want to go back further, um, all of the clip shows have been reposted since May, so you can run down through your feed and find all of them. Um, I think I'll be referring to a lot of the 2017-18 season, uh, which was um, the previous clip show, um, in this conversation. So go back and listen. 
catch up on you you in 10 hours you can catch up on everything we've done for the last 10 years essentially yeah i mean this is uh yeah you got to put in the work if you're gonna listen to our show (laughs) that's right that's right i know a lot of people out there had a new year's resolution to uh catch up on the catalog and we Mm -hmm. will allow this as a cheat code that's right Mm -hmm. that's right you don't have to go listen to everything you can just listen to the clip shows Colson did, so you don't have to. That's right. I'm very proud of them. Um, I feel like it does tell the story of our pod as well as the Pacers seasons with a lot of uh, long-running inside jokes. I think it's worth listening to. Mm-hmm. No. Uh, shout out to you, Colson, for putting those together. I always enjoy them and uh, appreciate the effort. I really do. Well, before we get into the show, I'd like to remind you that you can support us, the longest-running Pacers podcast, by heading over to patreon.com slash unbeatables. And you can support our show for as little as a dollar per month. And, and actually, Coulson, you, you talk about these clip shows. One of the uh, one of the listener, I guess, benefits is, is the, the <laughs> word we should probably use, is <laughs> it's... Uh, as you go through the editing process, I know you do post. There's a there's a private channel to the patrons, and you do post some of the extended the extended cut. Yeah, so I share. So I usually do them in like uh, four quarters, and so I'll share the f- full quarter before they're edited. So um, if you were a uh, Patreon, uh, you know, uh, just a couple months ago, actually, anytime you become a Patreon, you can access this. Um, it's a two and a half hour version of the of the show. That's it's only an hour and a half. Uh, there's a ton of gems in there, stuff that just uh, had to get cut. But uh, uh, <laughs> uh, there's there's a long uh, piece of us trying to figure out who was the guy on NCIS. You know, just just really <laughs> fun, just fun stuff um, that didn't make the final cut. Um, it might be if you're a super fan. Um, it might be worth uh, worth uh, five bucks a month just to check that out. Mm-hmm. So again, that's patreon.com slash undebeatables. And uh, I think that's in the, is it the, uh, the what's the name of that channel? We free free paid content. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's free to you at, after you've paid the money. <laughs> that's right. So, I always I, I've been getting a sense, you know, and I guess I I do want to start off the this uh, conversation with the fact that, uh, you know, I'm not a medical professional, I'm not a doctor. I mean, not everybody can say that on this show, but um, I am not. So, but I do want to, to you know, want to run this conversation. Um, Colson, I believe you've been having some some inner turmoil, and I you know I want to give you a venue to get some things off your chest. You know, we want to help you get through this and I want you to feel better and I want you to kind of unload on us and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll try to, you know, we'll, we'll take you through this. You know, there's, there are better days down the line. I promise you. But what, what's been on your mind, man? Well, I, on, on some level, uh, Joe, uh, the times are great. Um, I think this this uh, the peek into my mind is that I'm going to be anxious about the future, um, that I, I can't focus on this wonderful moment. I, I was listening to the the um, uh, 
Pacers podcast. Was it the the sports guys? What are they called? Anyway, you should you should check it out. <laughs> what, don't, don't don't sell so hard, buddy. <laughs> they have a they have a nice podcast. Uh, it's called Pacers Sound, um, and it's the sideline guys. That's what it is. Um, okay. And it's uh, Pat Boylan and and uh, Jeremiah Livereat and Johnson. Um, they do a <laughs> they do a little podcast, um, and and you know they've got insight that we don't have because they're with the team. And uh, Pat Boylan made the point that uh, that 2017 uh, 2018 team um, that was such a joy to watch that was probably my my favorite team I've watched um, in a in a decade. Um, or more, um, that team started out 19 and 18. And uh, this team also started out 19 and 18. And not that these teams are similar, um, but there does seem to be some of that internal cohesion. The guys seem to like each other. There does seem to be the schwa de basketball. And there is a sense in which maybe... This team, that that uh, 2017-18 team, um, won 48 games, got the fifth seed, and took the eventual Cavs that went to the finals uh, to a seven-game series in the first round. Um, maybe, maybe that is uh, what we're going to be looking at. Who knows? There's a chance that this team takes this moment Right now we're twenty and seventeen. We're going through a really difficult stretch in the season, and we're still three games above five hundred on a team that no one expected to even um, make the playoffs. There's a chance that this is a special team, and I want to sit in that moment and appreciate that and kind of enjoy this season. But there are a couple reasons why I'm not going to, and I want to talk that through with you guys. <laughs> so there's a there's a. a came out in the news that um, the Pacers are in initial conversations with Miles Turner about a contract extension. And I need your guys' uh, thoughts on this because I think uh, all season long, from the beginning of the season to the off season, um, Miles Turner has been the bait. We were going to drop him in some sort of trade to get a draft pick, maybe with the Lakers, maybe tied with Buddy Heald, um, to get assets and also get worse so that we could tank. Uh, Miles Turner is having uh, a career year uh, by all metrics. Um, He's rebounding more. He's scoring more. um, Maybe not blocks, but he's still in the top five in blocks in the NBA he's more physical and seems more engaged. And I think part of that is Halliburton gives him easy scoring opportunities. Uh, But he's also shooting the heck out of the ball. And I understand why the franchise might look at that and say, Hey, this is a long-term solution at center. This guy has been here. We drafted him. Um, He's a part of our culture. He's the only guy left from, the Paul George era. He's the only guy left from the old deep era. He is, he is Pacers culture. Let's just sign him long-term and let him be the veteran. I mean, he's just entering his prime right now. He's, he's what, 26 years old. 
Um, you know, he's got a, another good six years as long as he stays healthy to be in his prime, ideally. Um, I understand the the desire to maybe lock him up, but it's such a juxtaposition from what we thought we were going to do at the beginning of the season and where I think maybe we all were emotionally about letting him go because he's a free agent. We not, we need to get something back from him. We can't let him walk away. Um, is this a good idea? So I would say yes and no. And I think the answers to those questions are two different questions that you um, posed there. The, the first being, is it okay or is it a good idea for the Pacers to engage in extension talks with miles turner and to that i would say yes and the reason being for exactly what we have speculated all year is that it seems unlikely that there's a road or an avenue or a path to i don't know why i used four synonyms there but um they were all road ones too yeah they were two streets (laughs) perhaps a, a boulevard uh, <laughs> an alleyway <laughs> towards, no, that was great. towards uh miles turner staying with the team right so our perception from the outside has been that this guy's name has been in trade rumors basically the entire time he's been in a pacer <laughs> since his second year as a pacer why right? would he resign with this team you know um and I guess this is a formal way for the Pacers to suss out that question in firm talks with Turner and his agent is to know before the deadline, what is it that it would take to keep Miles Turner here? If that's a tenable contract, then maybe we can, you know, uh, pursue that. But the first question basically is, are you willing to resign with us, Right. And I'm sure his side would say, well, let's talk. <laughs> what what numbers are we talking here, right? I think that that is a wise move by the franchise to have a better understanding of exactly what it's going to take and whether or not they're willing to do. And so then the next question becomes, are you willing to do that and number? And for me, the answer is a question mark, I guess. I, I lean towards no, but the reasoning behind that is not so much what Miles Turner brings on the floor, uh, because I think if you look at the free agents out there coming up in 2023, it's going to be hard to replace mm. Miles Turner does, right? There's just not exactly. a lot of guys there that uh, do what he does, and we don't have any waiting in the wings, right? you know, unless you... Uh, foresee a giant leap from Isaiah Jackson in the offseason, right? That being said, I think the number is going to be outrageous, right? He is currently making $20 million a year, mm-hmm. right? He's playing way better than he's ever played in his career, which gives him a lot of leverage. And so he's at $35 million or something like that a year four years maybe <laughs> that seems steep to me even knowing that the cap is gonna <clears throat> spike again here in what three or 
three years? It's two years, yeah, I think. Two years. Okay, yeah. So my response to that would be um, that, yes, two years from now, the um, all of these numbers are going to be insane. Um, we are going to have uh, superstars making $60 million a year, um, $70 million a year. We're going to have role players making $30 million a year. Um, that's where we're getting. And we also are a team right now that has $20 million that we're not spending, that we have just there available. In fact, if we don't spend it, we just have to give it to the players, which is awesome. That's cool. But like, the thing is, is we, we can absorb $20 million right now. So adding $15 million to Turner's um, payroll doesn't do anything to our cap space at all. Um, well, but it wouldn't affect this year at all. Anyway, his cap number for this year is already set. No, I know. But what I'm saying is that number, that that $20 million still isn't spent. All of our guys are on rookie deals. Like, there, there's nobody that we have right. to pay yet, you know? The only contract that's coming up that we have to worry about is Miles Turner. So right. next year, we still would be $20 million below. I mean, outside of maybe signing free agents or whatever but like mm-hmm. you know we have a we have a full roster you know essentially um, I, I guess um and also we've got a, a, gen, a daniel tice that makes a bunch of money that eventually could be flipped or cut or whatever like there's there's a lot of money that we have to just spend and so i don't i'm not as afraid of any anything approaching 40 million i know that sounds like a an insane amount of money. Um, but two years from now, it won't be. And as long as we have the money to re-sign Halliburton to the maxest thing you can ever sign anyone to, to keep him here for 10 years, um, as long as you've got that money. And then three years later, the same for Matherin. I'm not really sure that I care that we're spending what seems like an outrageous amount of money on, on, uh, Turner, because you're right. Who's going to replace that? What he does, he's kind of perfect for this team right now. Well, I mean, so yes and no. I agree with your math somewhat. The fallacy there is that it's two years away from when those numbers seem reasonable. Sure. And so that that would be half of of his contract, a Miles Turner contract, mm-hmm. right? So half that contract you're paying way over market value. I would sure. say. Sure. That's fair. Whether or not you have the space to do that in your cap is fine. The What you don't want to do is get in a situation where you have a, a, a very difficult to move contract if things go sideways, right? There's a long, I'm not saying this is going to happen with Miles Turner, but there's a long history in the NBA of players playing out of their gourds in contract seasons and then coming back to earth. And getting way, and, paid way too much. And right, and having a contract that is way out of out of range for what it should be, right? John Wall, for example. But again, if you look at the list of free agents out there, I mean, the one guy that that jumped out to me that would be awesome, but I don't think it's going to happen is Jackson Hayes, right? Is out there, uh, or will be a free agent, but he's a restricted free agent. But you can imagine signing him to an offer sheet or whatever. But that's a risky move, and. Uh, and then the question becomes, you know, is this the, if you keep this core together, 
are they moving you in the direction towards a championship? Well, I, or okay. are they moving you in the direction of pretty competitive, uh, but not championship caliber? So, okay, I, I guess my response to that would be like, okay, we offered DeAndre Ayton $33 million a year for four years in the offseason to be our starting center. Hmm. And the Suns matched that, and now they're stuck with that. But we were willing at that point to pay $33 million a year for a starting center. Sure. Um, offering that or a little bit more to Miles Turner doesn't seem that outrageous to me. Two, Miles Turner is an elite shot blocker, and he seems this year to be more physical. Is he still not the rebounder I want or need? Yes. Uh, do I need – now, this season he's averaging more rebounds than he ever has before as a pacer. Sure. Um, the offensive rebounders are, are a problem. Um, I need more than that from him. I'm getting like one or two a game. I need five, you know, but like that's not who he is. Like, I mean, you know, he's not going to be Steven Adams, right? That's just not who he is. Mm-hmm. So do I accept who he is and what he is and how part, how much part of the culture he is and how well he works with Halliburton and say, I'm investing in this because it's the best thing I got. And can I get a better rebounder around him? Can I give him a power forward that can do that dirty work? This is another one of my problems. And and, uh, I think last season I thought Jalen Smith was the answer to that. I think even in the offseason I referred to him as my new Dale Davis. Um, Mm -hmm. Not because he was an enforcer, but because he was very consistent. He was giving me 10 and 10. You know, he was just the guy that I knew every night was going to give me a 10 and 10. And Dale Davis is the wrong comp. It's probably more, probably a closer would be like a Thad Young. Like, you don't have to draw plays up for him. You just know he's going to be there. He's going to do everything you need to do. And this season, uh, we we lowballed him in the offseason. We gave him what we could. Remember, he had a a contract that we could uh, only give him so much money. And he had a chance to go other places, but he stayed with us because we offered him a starting gig. And he couldn't wasn't necessarily get, guaranteed a starting gig other places. He now has lost that starting gig on the Pacer team. <laughs> um, and because he's not been the consistent guy he was the year before. And he's really struggled. Um, I think he's struggled offensively. Uh, his, his shots not look good either from the range or from... He's got those little those chippies and jumpers that aren't going in. Um, he's struggled on the boards. I think he's struggled defensively and he's now our backup center, which also says a lot about our team because he's not a center. He's what? Six, nine, you know? Um, I guess in small ball that works nowadays, but I think on some level he hasn't proved to be that solution. So as we think about moving forward, and now I'm not saying he can't improve and get better. He's he's like 22, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. But that wasn't the answer to fill in the gap for the Miles Turner and ability to have that interior toughness and rebounding that we needed, I guess. And so I still think we have a problem at big, whether you re-sign Miles Turner or not. Oh, that is certainly true. I, I totally agree with you on that. And... That is why I've been rethinking the concept of uh, trading him away, I guess, right? Because 
the other part of the calculus, right, is that it's clear at this point that we're not in the, we're not tanking. Like, this is not a tanking team. Like, this is a team that has very good talent and should try to get them as much seasoning as possible in the playoffs Mm -hmm. as soon as possible. So, right. So from that perspective, yeah, like I guess Turner is a viable solution. And unless there is a trade to be made um, for, for, you know, a, a prospect or something like that. I mean, you could still trade him away and I don't know if Daniel Tice comes back, like if he's serviceable enough as a center in a Rick Carlisle scheme where basically you don't need big guys. <laughs> like, you know what well, I mean? Yeah. Well, like, what do we get in the playoffs? Yeah, and... that's a conversation we'll have as this covers, as this goes on. Right, um, right. But, like, you know, I mean, is, is are we willing to give Gogo those minutes? I mean, is, you know, right. is, is Isaiah Jackson completely no. washed out of the you know, uh, lineup. Like there's a lot of things going on here that are happening down low. Um, and I feel like that's why the organization is interested in kind of keeping miles Turner. Cause he seems to be the only consistent guy that can go out there and do it. Joe, how, how do you feel about this? Do you want to, you want to give, uh, miles Turner a bunch of money to stay with the team for another three, four years? I'm happy to, I mean, I'm happy to do that. You know, it's something that we, you, you know, what you you know what you're getting which uh you know you don't always if you're if you're going somewhere else uh you i don't know like the fans love him he seems to enjoy being here and <laughs> i don't know the, and, I, and 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 i'm really excited you know it's just like i don't know he's been through a lot and i think he's he's done you know he he's been asked to play several different roles and I think that if we can sort of unlock, you know, his potential with this team, and I think playing with somebody like Halliburton is, is you know, going to be a step in the right direction. You know, I don't think that the team this Halliburton is the best point guard this team has seen, and in, in in a very long time. Uh, I mean, I no disrespect to Vern Fleming or. Um, Mark Jackson or Jamal Tinsley, but I mean, it looks like this guy is maybe the best point guard in the history of the franchise. And 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 I say we have not we've we've seen that this season, and it's gone you know pretty well. And I think Turner has been you know pretty engaged, and you know we saw in you know he dropped thirty four or something against uh, yeah was against the Clippers like. You know, I, I still want to see a little, uh, just a little bit better uh, work on the glass, um, but I don't know. I think that he he I think he fits in well in Indiana, and I mean some of the stuff. It's it's uh, you know he's he's still you know the shot blocker and and he knows how to run a, a, a high level defense, and his offensive game is is you know pretty good. Uh, you know, we always could use more, but I mean, you know, the guys he struggled up against is, you know, he's, you know, of course, you know, a bead is one of the guys, but I don't know, not much you can do about that. Yeah. Most you know, of the I mean, league gets eaten up by those big guys. Right. Yeah. You know, the, 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 the bigger bigs he struggles with, but I feel like on a, 
I feel like he fits in well with the team and and I think that I don't know, I just think that it's a it's a good fit and I think that he I don't know. It's just a good mesh I think that I've seen so far this this season. Just particularly this season because I think before the I think last season if you you know, if if we hadn't made these big trades, you know, if we hadn't traded Sabonis away and it was the same thing, I would I don't know. I wouldn't be I don't think it's excited about this, but I feel like the team is I want to I want to see more of like another year of this mm. team. You I, know, see. I want to see okay. That's what I want to see. You're just excited is, about is like, the, the the way this thing's shaping up and you're kind of you kind of want to yeah. see where it goes and if you lose you know a, a key cog in that or change that then you don't really know what's going on. Yeah, I mean yeah, and I think it's it's uh it's going to be hard you know to bring in I don't I mean I guess you keep your options open but like I don't know what who are you going to find in that spot that's a that's going to be a better fit for that we have the money this band you know that you know it's just it's burning a hole in our pocket you know so uh, we've got we've got the money and and I don't know that we're going to go out and get you know a big sign I don't know but I feel like there's like a big freeze signing out there to this next off season that no no I I I think this this money ends up having to work in a trade there's no free agents out there that either want to come yeah. there there also aren't that many great free agents out this this uh this offseason mm, yeah, so. not at the big for sure yeah exactly so i mean I, I i i like the point that you made joe is that that um you know miles turner not only is an excellent defensive player on his own he also has been on excellent like league leading defensive teams he understands how to lead a defense. Imagine him off of this team, and this is a very offensive-driven team. We're trying to outscore the other team. Um, you know, you take him off the team, and and our defense, what what happens to it? Does it just completely dissolve? Do you worry about his uh, availability? Not really. I, I I feel like I mean I know that he's had some injury issues in the past, but like last season, everyone was injured. You know, because mm-hmm. we were trying to tank, um, and that was really the first full season that he was just gone. You know, um, he's he's been nicked well, up and banged up. Before he only in the played forty seven games. So. Yeah, no, I mean that's fair. I feel like he gets nicked and banged up, but like, you that know, was, I feel like seventy two. I should say that was the year that it was seventy two games. Okay, yeah, I feel like he's a guy that's going to get me, you know, seventy percent of the games and. I don't worry about it too much. And, and you know, you mentioned, um, you know, guys that um, play really well in a contract year. I don't worry about that too much either. Uh, I feel like, you know, it's not like, I mean, if he was, re- if he was really trying to get out and that's why he's playing this well, he's not going to resign with us. You know, um, I think, uh, I think he's been fairly consistent and he's not like, He's having a career year, but it's not like way off the chart, you know. It's not right. like so unbelievable that he can't sort of replicate that the following year. I I'm more I'm giving this career year more to Halliburton and how easy he makes his you know Turner's job in sure. scoring than I am to you know some some huge she change in in his desire to score more points and get more rebounds to get a better contract. I agree with all of those points. Two uh, concerns, I guess, that I have. So, 
reason I asked about longevity or availability with Turner is part of the reason that this team has found the success that it has so far this year is that we've been relatively lucky with the injury, you know, bug or whatever, right? Like we haven't, I mean, outside of Duarte missing a huge chunk of time, we haven't had anybody miss major or even like a, you know, multiple games in a row necessarily. I wonder if that impacts the way you think about the second half of the season and our ability to compete for a playoff spot. I mean, I'm, I'm very curious. I mean, you know, I, I started this season being like, I want to know what Isaiah Jackson can do. And he doesn't see minutes anymore. Yeah. He makes some mistakes, but when I watch him, I largely see him bringing more positives to the table than the negatives. Um, if he had to give me a deep run and play a lot more minutes, is he Miles Turner? No, he's not as big. He's not as physical. He's way more inexperienced, but I feel like he brings a lot of good to the table. Uh, I'd be willing to burn that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think Goga's in the wings and actually can help. I mean, he he was fantastic in preseason, <laughs> and he's been on this team for four years. Like, the kid, you know, if he's going to be anything in the NBA, he needs to see some minutes. And and Tice will be back at some point if we want him to be back. I think, I mean, granted he's injured, but like, you know, those things are all very vague when you bring in a guy for cap purposes, you know? Like, if we needed him to play, could we get him to play? Probably. Um, and, and what does that look like? I I'm not super worried about Miles Turner going down and not being able to fill in the gaps, I guess. I feel like we've got a lot of guys that... I want to see on the floor and want to see what that looks like. You've also got a James Johnson who, you know, granted is 39 years old, but also is a very smart professional basketball player who doesn't make, you know, stupid mistakes. So, you know, you could, you could probably look, our bench has been excellent this season. And if you start to chip that away by losing some starters, does the bench get worse? Yeah. But look, we're playing, with house money right now um, and seeing what some guys can do. If somebody gets injured, I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. Cool. Son, I know you, you were having a, you know, I think you described it as like, was it psychosis? Was that the, <laughs> was that the term? Are there more things that you want to talk about besides? Oh my God. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, so, so the, the miles Turner thing was, was the thing that was in the media and it got me worried. My other concern is I look at this team and I'm really excited about these young guys and I want to sit in the moment and appreciate it. I really like um, a lot of stuff that's happening here. But when I start thinking long-term about the future of this franchise, it doesn't really, nothing really settles in and makes sense to me. And I kind of want to run through some of that with you guys. So for example... We moved Jalen Smith to the bench and started and started a four guard lineup, and that's really been the transition from when we started winning all these games. Mm-hmm. Um, we're stretching the floor with Nee Smith uh, and Healed at your forward spots, and um, we've got the two guards in Nimhard and Halliburton in the backcourt. And there's a lot of ball handling, and uh, there's a lot of shooting. But there's no bigness. Like, there's no bigness. Halliburton is the tallest guy in those four 
you know, he's what, six seven, and the rest of them are six three, six four, six five, right? And they're the ones that are playing the bigger spots. And Carlisle's having a great time and it's working offensively and we're escaping defensively. We are swarming, we're doubling, we're doing a lot of interesting stuff uh, defensively, actually, when you watch it. Um, and you've got, you know, um, Turner there to, to clean up the mess if uh, inevitably somebody gets through. Um, this is not a long-term solution to uh, a contender basketball team. I mean, it's just not. I'm sorry. Like, look, I like I like Neesmith, but he's not he's not Draymond Green, right? Like, he's not going to be a guy that could be a small ball four. Thank thank God he's not. <laughs> what, dude? Uh, and 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 as and look, I've I've started to think that Neemhard might be the new Derek McKee. Like the guy that just like just does whatever you need. He's just the cohesion guy. He'll score. He'll give you the the defense on the perimeter. He does the right pass. Like having that extra ball handler has been such a luxury. But you know the future of this franchise is Matherin at two, and Halliburton at one. And is Neemhard become your backup point guard? Well. That takes away that extra ball handler and passer in that in that first unit. Um, Buddy Heald, is he really a long-time pacer? Uh, Neesmith, we, I think we need to get bigger. I think a lot of things need to happen. And I'm trying to figure out how any of this works. And now, granted, I know it's not... We don't. I don't have to figure it out right now. I should just enjoy it. But my concern, I guess, is I'm looking at this roster and I like all these guys... But I don't have enough forward size. If we want to be serious as a franchise moving forward, we need bigger forwards, I think. And so my theory is, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to throw this out here. Why not take the cap space instead of trading away our good players like Heald and Turner for draft picks and whatever and and try to get a competent forward that sort of makes this roster make sense long term right now it's making a lot of sense and it's fun and we're all having a good time but this is not the kind of roster that's going to be for long-term success and so i'm wondering if how you guys feel about being buyers at the trade deadline instead of sellers i mean i think if the right opportunity is there and that it the assets that we have to give up are not too I then well I don't want to give shit up at all I mean I you know I mean you have to give something up usually but like we could also be just a dumping ground because we got the money right I mean we could be but typically teams will want draft picks in exchange for that sort of service at some level or a young prospect right right which you know maybe you're willing to get rid of and and you got to choose at some level. They're not all going to be able to play all the way down the line. So, and we have a glut in the backcourt. So there's obviously, um, moves to be made at some level, but, but yeah, I think that, I think definitely, um, looking at ways to improve the roster. I think that the team is now, yeah, approaching the, the trade deadline in a completely different way than they, than I originally thought they would be. 
this is my point. This is what makes me anxious. Because, right, like, the thing is, is this team is really fun right now. But, like, do you just let that thing roll? Or do you say, hey, maybe we could get... Uh, what's the the really grumpy guy in uh, the Suns that didn't want to play because he's not starting? Uh, Jake Crawford. Jay Crowder. Great, Jay Crowder. Could you just you just say, hey, hey, we'll just absorb his contract because he wants off the oh, team. It's Joey Crawford, right? <laughs> no, not Joey yeah, Crawford. Jay right. Crowder. <laughs> Jay Crowder. Joey Crawford is a ref who's also grumpy. Yeah, but I don't think he's starting either. No. <laughs> but you would say, hey, look, look, this guy's a, a, a an enforcer, a tough guy. He's a guy that could make us better. I mean, he's maybe he's a lot of playoff still. experience. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, um, I my idea, of course, is to, is to to go to the tanking Detroit Pistons, who are accidentally winning two games because uh, old uh, Pacer uh, Boyan Bogdanovich Bogey is like having an excellent year. Can we just take him uh, uh, off their hands to, so they can tank better and put him as our starting small ball four? You know, like, I mean, um, is that, I mean, I feel like that immediately makes us better. I mean, he's sh- shooting like 47% from the arc right now. We know what he can do defensively and he still can get to the basket. Like, you know, is this a, is this a moment where you can actually go after guys? You know, I was watching... Um, on the Christmas Day, the uh, uh, the Nuggets, Aaron Gordon, you know, this kid forever who was like fighting for dunk contests and just they threw him in Orlando forever and he just kind of that team sucked, but they made him like a point guard for a while and all this stuff. And seven years in or 10 years in or however long he's in there now, he's gotten bigger, he's beefier. He's still got the passing skills. He's still got the dunking skills, and he's a perfect four for that team. And I'm wondering if there's a guy that doesn't fit because he's been in the wrong position that could be sort of an enforcer or a, or a steady veteran for us at that four spot or that three spot, and that we could go get for fairly inexpensive just to dump into that cap space and and really make. As you, I'm not saying we're going to win a championship, but. Get these guys into the playoffs and get them, you know, those reps. Because we're yeah. ahead of schedule. Why not, right? For sure. I just don't know if Neesmith and Nimhard in our starting lineup is going to get us there, there as, as well as they're playing, you know? Uh, I agree. And, yeah, I, I mean, I think if the right opportunity presents itself, then yes. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that the Pacers will be active in trying to move things at the deadline, whether or not they be buyers um, or depending on how co- uh, conversations go with Miles Turner, as we alluded to earlier, end up being sellers, right? Like, Yeah, if he's like, yeah, I am I definitely need 50 mil a year. And we're like, if I'm going to play for this franchise that, that right. treats me like a piece of garbage, you know? Right, right. Well, at that point, you're, you're, your hand is forced. You might as well get the best uh, thing you can get. I would say that, yeah, basically our position going into the trade deadline vis-a-vis miles turner is much and healed is much better than it was a month ago two months ago when everybody saw that thought that basically we had to trade those guys well and both of them are probably at the top of their trade value in their careers i mean like i said buddy Hill's hitting five threes a game and uh 
Miles Turner is, you know, rebounding more and, and uh, scoring more than he has in the past. So, um, Joe, uh, how would you feel about being like if if we come to the trade deadline and we sell off players and just give up on the the playoff dream? Would you feel betrayed as a fan? Yeah, I think so. Because I, I mean, say like yeah. you should have done that earlier. You know, but did, sure. You know they. They let they let us get attached to these players because okay. it's been a fun season, you know. Yeah. Like there's, you know, expectations weren't you know weren't very high, and then we, you know, we see what these guys are doing. Like they're you know there's been a bunch of fun stuff. Like it's like you know you said before it's sort of that you know the seventeen eighteen vibe where it's you know just everyone was was happy to play with each other. There's a lot of joy on the floor, and you know, and they've been performing pretty well. So. You know, I mean, just as a as a fan specifically, I mean, yeah, kind of like, I mean, I mean, I get if there's if that's when the deal shows up, but I mean, you know, the, I mean, like, well, and more know. so, like, it would put us in a position where you hate to be Joey, which is either yeah, barely I in mean, the playing game or just outside the playing game, right? Right, and that's what I, I mean, that's been you know, I, I voiced that concern a long time ago, which was. You know, we don't want to be in that spot. It's just it's you don't want to win thirty five games, and that's where we're yeah, headed. It's the <laughs> it's the least beneficial place to begin at the end of the season, and you know if you don't tank well, it, yeah, I mean that's what happens when you when, when you sort of mismanage the season, and I and I think that we're going to be, you know, we we could potentially, I mean by by making a move like that. You know, it's kind of selling off our, our our best players or or some you know you know useful pieces on our team. We're gonna get closer to that, and so I was like, well, that's what I sort of said earlier. It's like I, you know, we're already past that. Like I want at this point, just go for it. Like this season, I mean, in a good way, is lost. To you know, we we're not we're not gonna get the number one seed. I can tell you that today. Like that's just not going to happen. And we're also not going to get the number one draft pick. Either. Well, and that's I'm sorry. That's what I meant. Was oh. we're not going to. Well, oh well. I also we're not going to get the number one seed. I guess well. both of those. I can tell you that right now <laughs> that we're not going to get either of those. Right. So, I mean, you know, not get. You know, if we're not going to. We're not in the. We're not going to be in the running for. You know, there's some teams that are that are sorry out there, and they're. But they're gonna. One of these teams is gonna have a big smile on their face when they when they get the number one draft pick, and it's not gonna be us. So, you know, at this point, I feel like the 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 best course of action is is, you know, unless there's some, unless there's some deal out there that's gonna be, you know, alter the 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 course of the franchise, then don't worry about it and just go out there, you know. Have fun with these guys that are out there that we have on the roster, and go have fun, win some games, and just go with what we got. Unless I say, unless there's something out there that's, you know, altering the the course of the next couple of years, fine. But otherwise, you should have done this earlier. All right. So yeah, if if we're not buyers of the trade deadline, then uh, the the fan base will be betrayed. I like it. That's what you said, right, Joe? Basically, yeah. <laughs> if that was a good point, then yeah. <laughs> I got it worked up. Yeah, man. You should have done that earlier. 
Yeah, I mean, the thing is, if we win before 35 the season games, started, they were talking about trading Miles, like I, publicly trading. I know, I know. Miles and, and I and I started. Uh, I'd probably say a month ago decided that we'd probably we definitely were getting the the bottom five, but maybe we'd get like the seventh or eighth seed, and then maybe the basketball gods would would give us a top two pick uh, because there's a little percentage at this point. It's hard for me to understand, unless something goes terribly wrong, how we're not basically around 500 at the end of this season. Well, because um, well, what was that number? Like, what was that number, the win number? Was it like 25 25. Once like, you get over 25, yeah, tw- it's, yeah. We're, we're already at 20. 20. It's too late. Yeah, it's too late. Yeah, so uh, to, to fans that uh, don't know what we're referring to, um, there is some statistical analysis in the NBA that if, once you get over 25 wins, um, every win you win changes your ability to get the number one pick dramatically. But if your 25 wins are less, they're all kind of comparable. Um, and so that was sort of our guide as we went into the season. If we got over 25, we were pretty much out of this. Uh... We've got, what, four months of basketball left? Like, no way. <laughs> yeah, I mean... We're not even through halfway through the season. We got 20 wins. So. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, impossible. In, yeah, impossible. Inconceivable. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I think, you know, I worry about all these things. I appreciate you helping me uh, through some of it. Um, what I've learned is that I think we're just going for the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, there's part of me that still worries that we're going to be in a situation where we're left without where where miles turner leaves and we have nothing in return like we can't even I, uh I, it, it, like do a sign and trade or something like that and i wonder if we rue that no but... no no i no i think the point you made earlier was the reason we're in these contract conversations right now is so that we can be in um you know, honest with him about what he's doing and what we're doing, you know, uh, and, and that, that this will keep us out of that situation. So hopefully um, there was a, uh, when the Pacers played the Celtics, the, um, they talked to uh, Malcolm Brogdon, who's, you know, uh, currently the backup point guard uh, for the Celtics after our trade with them. And uh, he said, uh, the Pacers did right by me. They're a really good franchise. He said, uh, they told me um, I needed to be traded and that Halliburton was the future and um, they gave me some options. You know, I didn't have full control over it, but they said, where are these places that you'd be willing to go because we want to get you a place where you want to be. Mm-hmm. And that was a part of their consideration during the trades and I really respect that. And that's, you know, they did right by me. Ideally, we're just doing a better job of talking to our players, trying to make sure people are, you know, being honest with each other and getting where they need to get. There's no way that happens if Bird is running the show, you know? No, not at all. No. <laughs> no. That's this, a, is, that's... this is one small step towards repairing our reputation with players in this league. About right. After how we treat them. After, right. after the, yeah, all the things that we did. Shout out Roy Hibbert. 
<laughs> and David West, who was real pissed. Yeah. In fact, left the team because of that. Yeah. It, it, in part, for sure. Uh, at least in part. Hey, Colson, um, I know you. Uh, I know you've got some, you know, some some deep trauma, but we only have so much time, and uh, our our hours about up. But I did want to. Uh, uh, I did want to, as part of our therapy session, try to end this. Uh, on a on a on a solid note, I like that. Uh, would you be willing to uh, listen to a set of the week? I'd like that. All right, Joey, set of the week. This is this is part of an ongoing saga that uh, it's been multiple stats of the week at this point, but it's been it's been a moving target, and we're going back to the well on this one, and it's again about. The United States Postal Service and <laughs> the next generation delivery vehicles. My friends, you probably already seen this. You've been, mm-hmm. you've been. I haven't. You've been I tweeting haven't. about this with your friends. Is Colson, it? Is it, a, is it a duck car or whatever? Like the. It's other the duck car. Yeah. Yay! I know it's the duck car. I think that Colson. I think you you were sliding into the duck car's DMs, <laughs> as you say. Um, Sounds. Dirty but there's when good you news. <laughs> I mean, it's often dirty when it's said. So the good news is, you know, we talked about this before. There's been there's been a a redesign of the postal service vehicle that we, you know, the one that that is in service right now has been around for a very long time. Is and you know it does its job very well, but it's it is not an efficient vehicle. We have better vehicles at this point in uh you know in just in the industry there's just better vehicles out there so the <laughs> there have been a, a really i'd say a pretty radical redesign and it's the duck car it's got it's sort of a, a very tall windshield and it's a it's a taller looking vehicle and it's kind of sort of a long you know thinnish um you know front area it looks a little like a duck bill yeah it's got a little so, beak and yeah a little beak on there little and, tail and little yep. flippers <laughs> so the good news is so uh president biden has uh basically uh mandated that the the government vehicles you know the you know the, the federal government owns a, obviously a ton of vehicles just to do whatever just to, to operate their, you know, the, the government. And as part of this, they, they are, uh, so they have 600,000 vehicles in the, that are owned by the federal government. And they're trying, uh, the, so Biden is saying that he's ordered that the, uh, that these be electrified. And that doesn't mean to, uh, you know, uh, electrify the ones that they have. They're going to replace these with electric vehicles um, where they are able to. And, uh, as part of this, they're, the Postal Service is getting in on the action you know, as they're uh, you know, related to the federal government in... Uh, oh, that's maybe another a topic for another discussion. But they're getting in on this, and now there's more money for this. And so now there is going to be at least 60,000 or at least 60,000 of these are going to be electric vehicles. Uh, it's And then... Potentially, 
uh, another 21,000 commercial, the, the commercial off the shelf electric vehicles, you know, just like, you know, the, the ones you would buy, you know, from, so not the next generation ones, but these are going to be ones, you know, for, like the Ford uh, uh, e-transit is one that's listed, but you know, one you can buy, you know, sort of from the store. Uh, so they are going to, there's still going to be some of the, you know, the, 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 the gas guzzlers, but the, the, I think a much, much bigger portion of these are going to be electric than our last report because uh, it was like silly because they were gonna, they were, they did this big redesign and there was nominal fuel improvement over, over the old design that's been out there for 50 years or something. So there didn't seem to be a whole lot of, there was going to be some quality of life things like, I don't know, air conditioning, which was going to be <laughs> in all of them. That seems like a, a win for uh, everybody. But uh, there's going to be a bunch more electric vehicles, which it, it totally makes sense for the way that the post office, like well, the way those vehicles are used, you know, like they, you know, the, the, the mail carriers, they, they take them out and they're not going that far. And then they park them and it's perfect for an electric vehicle. You bring well, them back. Yeah, and they, and they, you know, go like, from one mailbox to the next mailbox, like you know, it's in there. Yeah. You, go, you know, if you're guzzling gas, you're just putzing all that stuff out there, and I don't know. And the electric vehicles too are, are more efficient at slow speeds. Perfect. You know, the, mm-hmm. So I don't see a uh, lot of mail carriers going super fast. You don't know the mail carriers that I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. You're you're a long line of <laughs> mail carriers in your family. <laughs> I, I'm I'm just looking at these uh, pictures. That, I mean, <laughs> it just look like they're out of Toy Story. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, do, uh, I I love a duck vehicle. Yeah, these are fantastic. I I look forward to our new world where these are our regular. That'll make everything happier, right? If you lived I in Toy so. Story, or that would uh, Toy Story, that'd be happier. You know, this is to me. This is better. Then maybe less less entertaining than the other stats of the week, where I would report on when the old ones would just catch fire. That's right. true. Uh, that that was right. definitely one of those. Yeah. yeah. So the stat was uh, sixty thousand. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Sixty. Sixty six thousand EVs by twenty twenty eight. Oh, I'll still be alive by then. Yeah, but I think they were saying the first. <laughs> so you should see. I'm gonna ignore that, <laughs> and uh, they're saying the first next generation ones should be delivering mail somewhere in the U.S. by late 2023. So by the Whoa. end of this year, you may be seeing a duck vehicle out there that you could. I don't know, man. I, I just when I look at this thing, all I want to do is slide across the hood. You know, when they're mm. like when they're stopped at a stop sign or something or a red light. Just want to slide my butt right across the the uh, it's a flat it's a flat surface your butt or the the windshield <laughs> <laughs> well the postal the postal worker is going to find out well done yeah so, uh, uh, be nation tweet at us the as soon as you see a duck yes uh, we need truck tweet at us immediate tweets we will have an emergency podcast 
that easy. <laughs> so, shout out to Postal Service and the federal government for bringing the the uh, you know some for, modernization for, forcing it. electric vehicles down our throats. <laughs> yep. Colson, did that make you feel any better? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just, all I can think about is duck vehicles. Now I'm just really happy. And my flat butt. <laughs> well, I always <laughs> think about that, so that's not new. <laughs> well, good. So we'll have another session next week or so. Uh, I, I, I actually, I have, I have therapy this week, so probably next week I'll be fine. But hmm. it's, it's every other week. Sure. Harper Good. probably has some issues that we need to work. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> You're not going to get total freakouts every week. It's just every other week. But we have to we have to rotate our freakouts. Yeah, I'm sure we can we can get that arranged. All right. Well, I'm going to submit this to your insurance, and <laughs> we'll be back with you next week. <laughs> Until then. You can find us on Twitter. We are at Undebeatables. There, we're on Facebook.com slash The Undebeatables. Our website is TheUndebeatables.com. And you can email us. Shout out at TheUndebeatables.com. And our website slash store has got the uh, the small t-shirts. For the architect, Tony Walsh. And our once and always Hall of Fame coach, Bobby Six Hundred. And for duck vehicles. <laughs> Best outro song ever. I did not see that coming. No. You'd been plotting that since had, the moment you the mentioned moment duck you started vehicles. Talking ducks. Yeah, I was just slowing that one up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs>